Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I'm very excited to have a couple of very interesting guests today. We're going to get started in just a second, but first I wanted to tell you about our audio library where we have over 600 interviews that have been archived and uh, indexed into 35 different file folders on different topics that you'll find interesting. So you can go to listen to uh, world-famous speakers from groups like Vistage International. You can go hear accountants, coaches, uh, attorneys, various different professionals. So please visit our audio library at exacoachradio.com. My first guest today is Noelle Nitz, and she's joining us from Nitz Consulting here in Newport Beach. And Noelle is a part-time long-term CFO and financial literacy enthusiast, and we're going to talk about finance as a tool for visibility and and options or emotion-based finance. So, Noelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Let me try that again, Noelle. Welcome to the show. How are you today? (laughs) I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. Sometimes the buttons don't quite push just right. So, Noelle Nitz, you're joining us from Nitz Consulting uh, here in Newport Beach. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and your firm. So, Nitz Consulting kind of came out of, if you can believe it, a playground. Um, By trade, I started off my education in finance and uh, passed the CPA exam. I came up through commercial lending where I had a broad portfolio where I was lending to to companies who were doing all sorts of things, including turnarounds and mergers and acquisitions. Um, And then when I was hanging out on the playground with um, my friends and their babies, they would tell me about their husband's businesses and how their husbands were struggling and could I help them out. And so that's how NITS Consulting was born, is helping small business owners really get to the next level. It's difficult work to be a small business owner. You have to wear a lot of hats, as we all know. And one of the things that people sometimes struggle with is they may not have that accounting or the numbers background. And it sounds like that's where you come in to help them understand and become literate in those numbers. And as a matter of fact, I talk about it all the time, about the importance of being able to look and, and look at your financials and assess how your business is doing. So what, what did you find uh, most people's issues were when they were trying to look at their finances? You know, really there was a, you know, most entrepreneurs and business owners, they didn't wake up in the morning and say, hey, you know, the, the, the thing that I really want to do today is look at some financials. I got into business so that I could look at accounting and financials. And so for them, it's just not something that's of any interest to them at all. There is often fear there. There is, oh, my gosh, I'll never be able to understand this, and this stuff is going to bore me to death. And so for me, my job is to really help translate those and really help them connect in a way that's relevant to them so that they can become more proficient. And what's a starting point for most people? Where, what are the, the baby steps of learning to uh, understand your financial um, statements and your financial situation? Usually, what I call the gateway drug is um, cash flow. So often someone will call me in and they'll say, you know what, my business is doing great, I'm really growing, so where the hairy heck is all my cash? And so we start by going, you know, really figuring out what happens to cash in a business and what things affect it, because that is germane to their everyday. So it's something that, that's relevant to them right now. So we start with cash flow, and then we go through each of the, of the different parts 
um, especially gross profit margin. That's just one of my favorite places to be to really help them understand how they can drive gross profit margin. Mm-hmm. Which, which of course, uh, drives a lot of other decisions that they can then make about their business. What do you find that they, they are most fearful of when they get started in this type of um, planning? Uh, for most business owners, they're afraid of what they're going to find out. They're huh. really afraid that the, you know, what they fear late at night in the middle of the, you know, the, the dark hours of 3 a.m. while they're wide awake with the world on their shoulders that what's what's available to them is only imminent failure. They're afraid of what they might find out in the truth. They're afraid that someone's going to tell them no. Entrepreneurs, right, they got into business because they don't, you know, like bosses are being told what to do. And they have to have a huge amount of hope because they're going into places that most people won't go. And so, you know, it's really being told no, not really feeling like they can understand it no matter how much they do. And the fact that they might find out a truth that they don't want to find out. I think those are the biggest fears that they have. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you're, you've got this dream. You're fueled by all this energy and this, this great business plan. Um, do you find that most people are over-optimistic when they sit down and create their projections for their business? Yeah, I find sometimes they're over-optimistic, but not necessarily always. I think really what I find in their projections is they don't know how to connect the relevant dots. So they'll say, okay, we're going to go do X, Y, and Z. We're going to have all of these things. But then they don't know what the other um, pieces are that that's going to have that effect. And so they, they've got, uh, you know, huge, large numbers of people who will tell them no, right? You know, usually their accountant will tell them no, their lawyer will tell them no, their wife will tell them, you know, no, that's not possible, it's not going to happen, or it's, you know, you're, you're overreaching or whatever the case is. So what I try to do is I try to say, yes, and. That sounds great. Let's go for that. Now let's talk about all the things that are going to need to happen so that will actually, so we can make sure that that actually does happen. Let's look at all the places and then just make a plan for all of those places so we can get you exactly what you want. So I start from a place of yes, and I start from a place of, and here's, how we w- here's what we would need to do to get that done, and then let me help you out. So it's really they, get, they, they start getting the idea of connecting the relevant dots. Mm, that's great. So it starts from a positive, this can happen, and there's going to be a lot that has to go into this. So let's really open the hood up and figure out what all it needs to go into this plan to, to, get, the, uh, to get the dots connected, it sounds like. Um, exactly. Now, you know, when someone, <clears throat> when an owner is, is saying, you know, I just want to understand just enough of this, and you mentioned cash flow before, what else do they need to know? How much do, does an owner need to know about um, and understand about finance and accounting? So here's the good news. An owner really doesn't need to know much at all about accounting. They do need to know how to pick a good accountant and especially tax accountant and start learning some of those relationships. But the basic accounting, they don't, they don't need to know that, just like they don't need to program you know, their software. But they do need to understand the relationships of finance. So in other words, they need to be able to, to go out onto their production floor and see what's going on. And then they need to be able to back check that with what they're seeing on their financials. And if it doesn't make sense, they just need to have a really good partner who can help investigate that for them. So they need to understand the relationship between cash flow and sales. They need to understand the relationship between what's happening on their production floor and cost of goods sold. They need to understand enough of finance to really understand how to make good pricing because that's where the majority, you know, I won't say the majority, that's where some big mistakes get made. 
Now, financial literacy is a big topic these days for a lot of small businesses, and uh, there's a lot of discussion about um, should an owner bring uh, that knowledge deeper into their organization to their key employees? Should they empower them and help them learn about different things and how all this works, like the difference, you know, what's going on on the floor and cost of goods sold so that they can have a stake in controlling that and understanding that. What What's your uh, thoughts with, with regards to kind of open book um, management with uh, bringing in other employees into financial literacy? I am absolutely a proponent of that, and I think you can do a lot that's especially um, above the line on the gross profit margin. So sometimes, you know, owners are they don't want to share everything, but I think you can share a a huge amount, um, especially above the gross profit margin line, that will pay you big dividends. And so here's here's a couple of things. One is that I would say I would start with personal financial literacy with especially your key employees, but all of your employees. And here's why, because every business, every this has happened to every business owner. One of their employees comes up to them and says, "Hey, I'm having a hard time. I, I need you to give me a raise." And so I'll always find there's people who are who've gotten a lot of money not because they earned it, but because they needed it. And so there's there's things like that. And so you, you know, the safer your employees are, the more that they can do for you, and the more they can do in their own lives. That's personal financial literacy. And the second one is, is with respect to business finances, because the more they know about them, the more they're incented to be on the same side as the business owner, the greater the profits will grow. So here's an example of that one. So for a production supervisor who's been working at the company for 20-plus years, she's made her money through overtime. So whether you know, production was hot and heavy or not, she would, she would stay there quite a long time because she got used to making overtime. Well, that puts her on opposite sides of the business owner. So what we said was this. You really need to be salary, first of all. And second of all, we're going to incent you by how much you control over time and by how much you help improve gross profit margin and get and do on-time production. So when she makes extra money, the owner makes mm-hmm. that much more money because she's increasing. And so now she really, you know, in, in, in a way that's relevant to her on the floor, she's really understanding what helps the company make more money, which helps her get everything that she wants, as well as the business owner. And I think what you're saying is very key is that it's important for employees who receive incentive compensation to understand why they're getting that compensation, whether it's a bonus or some kind of a reward, and uh, what they need to do. Maybe they uh, can do more, and that should be figured out in advance so that it creates an even greater um, benefit for the owner uh, or the shareholders of the company, correct? Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of our one of my clients, we, we brought in a production manager and he gets a substantial bonus based on how much more he increases the gross profit margin. So he makes a nice chunk of change, and it's measured equally, and we know what that is ahead of time. And that resulted in, you know, a million-dollar increase in net income for this client. It was all based on that gross profit margin because he knew exactly what he needed to do. He was working towards the exact metrics that were important to the company, and it affected every single person within the company. That's great. So under the under the heading of uh, giving employees a stake in the outcome, um, do most employers that you start with are they giving bonuses without uh, properly discussing why employees or revealing why employees are getting bonuses? Do you do you find? Oh, absolutely. I mean, usually what it is is they have certain people they're close to. And, you know, I find most business owners are really generous people, and they want to give. And so the ones that they know the best, 
they end up giving them because they're grateful that they're helping them with their company. So not only do the employees not know why, but the owner is really doing this based more on feeling rather than metrics. And it, it creates this uh, disconnect all the way through the organization that's kind of unhealthy. Now, that, that brings me back to a term I saw on your preparation sheet that talked about finance as a tool for visibility and options or emotion-based finance. Um, and it seems like what you just said is a lot, of, a lot of owners reward employees based on emotions and feelings instead of hard facts as, well, you did this, so you get that. Um, can, you, can you talk to that about uh, uh, using finance as a tool for visibility and options or emotion-based finance? Sure. So I'll talk about visibility and options first, because I think that finance, more than anything else, that is, that's its greatest power is for giving you options. So what I always say is the first, you know, whenever you're, you're posing a question, right, how do we grow the company to $50 million if you're $20 million? Or how do I increase my cash? What, whatever that is, whatever it is you want to do, the first thing you have to do is gather the facts. Well, what are the facts of what we're doing now? And that's something that people usually forget to do. So let me gather the facts so I know exactly where I am now. And, it's, and it, that helps you take it out of the emotion, right? These are just the facts of where we are now. And then there is, what would it take for us to get to the next level? Let, let's see. That's your visibility. Let me see what it would take. Now, let's just analyze that. And I create a um, kind of an environment of let's, let's have open discussion about this. No one's right. No one's wrong. Let's just investigate everything and gather all the facts. And as we're doing that, we're really taking the emotion out of it. And I'm very careful to, when I see emotion on someone's face or hear it coming in or hesitancy, to, to kind of explore that so I can identify, well, okay, so you sounds like you're hesitating on this. You don't really like it. Tell me why. I trust your gut. Tell me why you don't like that. And I pull out the emotion and identify it as emotion instead of, well, okay, we can go with this. We can stay with this. If then, if we stay with this, then what happens? And we can identify all of our options and all of the things that will happen in various different scenarios. So while we're doing that, we're mostly really investigating on an emotionless basis, but we're recognizing the emotions and then taking them out in a safe way and making sure we recognize them as emotions so that we can deal with them properly. So kind of isolating those emotions that when, when they come up, you acknowledge that, yes, those are going to be part of it. Let's acknowledge it and let's talk about why that's important to you. And then let's set that emotion aside and then see how that fits into a a formula base or some kind of a financial discussion? Yes, exactly. So if we can, because sometimes people mistake the emotion as fact. And so what we want to do is we want to identify all the facts, then identify the emotion, and then really deal with it as it should be dealt with. And so we're never going to ignore it. I'm always going, you know, there's some things where we'll make the final decision based on the fact that, that an owner is not emotionally ready to do a certain thing. And that's okay. Because if we move forward and we don't recognize that that emotion is going to kill the plan, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. So it's recognizing each part and putting it in mm. its place and saying what it is. Okay, and that's an important point. So uh, what I hear you saying is that if we don't acknowledge that emotions come creeping into the plan, then we're setting ourselves up for potential failure down the road. We need to we need to uh, find that out and build that into the discussion early on instead of down the road realizing, you know, we should have realized that emotionally this was destined to fail. Yeah, I mean, there are times when we will, re you know, we're, we're going through a decision process maybe about an employee or maybe about a, a product or whatever those things are and we will say out at the end we'll come to it and we'll say out loud you know what it just sounds like even though this is something we're going to do you're not ready to do it so let's revisit this in three to six months 
And by doing that, we have not expended a huge amount of time and energy in something that would have failed at that time. We wait for the right time. Then we get to another point, and I can tell that the owner is ready to go forward on it. Then we'll do it. It happens quickly. The emotion is not in it, and it succeeds. And that's, that's big for everybody, right? We, just, we don't want to waste time on things that are not going to follow through. That's a great tip, Noel. Tell us uh, about uh, your process. How does someone get started with you? What are the first steps to engaging your services and learning more about what you do? So usually people, you know, the, the, the thing that I really like to make sure is that, is that there's a really good fit for both parties. And usually someone is a good fit when, you know, generally between 3 and $20 million, when they've kind of outgrown whomever's doing their internal accounting, they feel like they need a more executive level financial expertise, um, kind of a partner in strategic planning, someone who is really wanting to move to the next level and they're serious about doing whatever it takes to move to the next level. And so when they're, you know, if you have a business owner who's really thinking in those terms, like I'm being held back, I want to get to the next level, but I know I'm going to need help in that manner, that's usually a good starting point. And then it's really talking about, you know, what would the owner, I spend a lot of time asking and, and feeling out what would the owner like to accomplish? And are they really willing to do whatever it takes to get to that next level? Because sometimes we want to get to that next level, but we're not really ready to do all the work that gets there. So I make sure there's a lot of time with that. And then we start with a simple assessment. I'll come in for a couple of days, talk to the employees, look at the financials, really see what's going on in the operation, and um, then we'll talk about what is a good plan from there. And in all cases, the owner's always in the driver's seat, so they can decide how much or how little we, we do going forward. Very interesting. So it starts with basically a discussion and an assessment and understanding uh, what you want as a, as a business owner, what you want to do with your business, and are you willing and are you going to be committed to take it there? And it sounds like a tremendous service. Noel, how do our listeners get in touch with you and find out more? So they can um, find all of my information either on LinkedIn and also through my website, which is www.nitzconsulting.com. And that's N-I-T-Z consulting.com here in Newport Beach. But do you work with clients all over the place? I do have uh, a client in San Diego, and I've worked with companies in the Inland Empire. Most of my clients are in Orange County. Okay, so if you're in Southern California and you are looking for someone who can help you take your business to the next level, really understand what's going on within your business, accounting-wise, financially, um, becoming more literate about what's going on in your business, and also making sure that you have the right financial professionals, learning what, understanding what your team needs to look like. Noelle is your, is your lady, and Noelle, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been very interesting. I know we just scratched the surface today, but I'd love to have you back soon so we can talk about more in-depth um, uh, discussions about some of these different topics. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay tuned. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions. 
so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 